Welcome to the Diversity, Inclusion, and Belonging Teams podcast, Why Language Matters. This podcast is meant to explore words, their meaning, and how we can use language to be inclusive. Hello, hello. Welcome to this week's episode of Why Language Matters. We'll be discussing week two of our topic on masculinity in relation to gender roles. What are gender roles? How do they affect us? And why are they even a thing? Let's explore the misconceptions we have about gender roles and how to break free from them to be our highest and most true selves. So my name is Badiana Badio. My pronouns are she, her, and hers, located in Massachusetts, and I am hetero cisgendered. Hey y'all, I'm Ro Murdoch. I'm a field energy consultant in the Denver market. Uh, I am a non-binary trans feminine person and my sexual orientation is pansexual. And yeah, excited to dive into this conversation. I'm Marcus Accord. My pronouns are he, him, and his. I lead our diversity, inclusion, and belonging team here at Sunrun. Uh, I am a cisgender heterosexual male and I'm based out of Fort Myers, Florida. Hi, I'm Fish Holder. I'm a senior sales ops analyst at Sunrun. I use uh, they, them, theirs, and he, him, his pronouns. I'm based in uh, Bluffdale, just 15 minutes south of Salt Lake City, Utah. I identify as a genderqueer man, and I am gay. Hey, everybody. Uh, my name is Joel Guzman. I'm a senior manager for our customer journey support team. Uh, my pronouns are he, him, and his, and I'm located in Denver, Colorado. I am a cisgender heterosexual male. Thank you. I wanted to kick this conversation off with defining masculinity. I wanted each of us to define masculinity in your words, what it means to you, your perceived view of yourself in terms of masculinity, and also how others perceive you in terms of masculinity. I'll start. Uh, so this is Marcus. Yeah, I, I've always struggled with like, how do you, what is the definition of masculinity? I grew up in a household in an area, um, you know, in the South, where there were very clear roles for what what men do and women do. Um, there was, I don't want to phrase it, there were just certain expectations of what it, what it was to be to be a man, what it was to be a woman, and if you if you exhibited different traits, you were made fun of, you were mocked, you were uh, all of those things happened. But as I matured, as I moved into society, as I met more people, I just I realized I don't know exactly what it means to be to be masculine, to be a man, because I've met so many people and I know so many people who uh, who do flow uh, between different different traits and different identities. So you know, if someone asked me today, what does it mean to be masculine? What does it mean to be feminine? I, I don't know that I've got a, a solid answer. I think I know what portions of society think they are, they mean, but I don't know if that, that gives a great explanation, but that's, that's been my own journey. Yeah, thanks for kicking us off, Marcus. Um, yeah, I sort of relate to that, where my definition of masculinity, like inherently, I feel my mind going to the traditional definitions, 
which is what we're talking about, is breaking those down <laughs> because in reality, it's a much more broad definition than just like these very few specific traits like what we talked about in the prior episode, like leadership and you know being the person who provides to the household, and, like all those things that are very stereotypically masculine. But I think it's more so something that's like self-defined. And that's like what I found is like somebody who's non-binary is I, I've always struggled with my gender identity, but I really found comfort in not committing to saying that I'm a trans woman, but ne more necessarily like I am a non-binary trans feminine person. So because I have some masculine traits, like however society would perceive me would, would perceive some of my traits as masculine, like my voice, for example. I've got anxiety about that as like somebody who struggled with gender identity, but then I've learned to accept that because it's just a matter of like self-defining, like where I fit and like what kind of gives me peace in general. And I don't know, those are sort of my main thoughts on just like defining masculinity because I think it's really more so giving people the tools to self-define what they view as being masculine and finding like healthy ways to really like attach vocabulary to that. For me, you know, I kind of find myself in the same boat as Marcus, uh, you know, the traditional view of uh, masculine is, you know, the definition that is around me. I think I talked about this in the last episode, but everybody's definition of, of masculine is a man is a man, right? Like masculine equals man equals protector, hard worker, successful, strong, um, and and I hate using this word, but dominant always seems to kind of work its way into this this definition. And uh, Roa, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think I've learned over the past month, two, three, maybe six months that it's that's that's traditional, and that might not be wrong, but there's other definitions of it as well. And I think it's it's what you make of of that word. So that's that's where my 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 current stance is. It really is what you define it. But I think more importantly, it's it's what makes everybody comfortable uh, as well. I love that we're defining it more personally than broadly, because masculinity, femininity, and all of that, it's it's hyper specific to one's culture, and it can vary quite a bit. There are broad strokes that kind of we all generally agree on, but I kind of like I I approach masculinity as kind of just the decoration. I, I approach it for, from a uh, performance almost side of things. It's how I choose to dress, present, act, or move. Um, it's whether I decide to speak with a lower voice right now or or use more stoic mannerisms. I, I guess I'd, I'd call masculinity um, any action or any action, whether that's presentation or physical action that is trying to make you be seen as a man in whatever way your culture defines man or masculinity. So yeah, it's it's a squishy, wibbly, wobbly thing. But I think that's why I have comfort with it now is because I approach it more as a decorative aspect than something that I have to tie myself to and my value to. It's purely just um, almost purely visual for me. You know, it's funny you say that fish, you know, because as I said, I've, I've, I know a lot of people, I've met a lot of people who are gender fluid, who, you know, maybe don't fit traditional, we might describe as masculine or feminine, but I never just uh, applied it to myself until I'll, I'll, I'll share some personal things to me. I have painted my toenails for the last 20 years. 
right? And most people, what's funny is meeting people and they, you know, coworkers are hear this and say, I had no idea. Every day for the last 20 years, I've had my, my toenails painted. But going into a place, they're like, oh, that's that's kind of feminine. And, and or I would wear, I wore a lot of pinks and pastel shirts and stuff like that. And they're like, oh, that's not very masculine. And then so it, was, it, was, it wasn't until that started happening that I started, well, you act like that's an insult to me. Like I, you attributing something as feminine to me doesn't bother me at all. Like I, I know who I am. It, 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 it's not an insult. Thank you. Like, you know, um, but it was that appearance, as you were mentioning, fish. It's like there are certain things that happen, and suddenly they're like, "Oh, you're you're not a manly man." Well, I, I'm good with that. I'm good with not being what you perceive as as, as a manly man. Masculinity for me, I feel as a female is has always been confusing it's mainly because the of course people think masculine they think like Joel mentioned male the you know i'm a female meant to you know encourage emotional conversations be the listener but at the same time there's also you know societal stereotypes around being a black female and a assigning uh, like a mas masculine traits to black feminism. So I've always tried to find the balance of being feminine, but also still owning the masculine side of me without compromising my femininity. And so I've always just, that was what I've been always grappling with, just like trying to find that balance of not being overly masculine because that's what society expects of me being with my skin tone and my color and then also still wanting to be seen as a woman and you know be feminine and soft and uh, not perceived as aggressive or angry or any of the other uh, stereotypes associated with supposed masculine perceptions. Marcus, I think uh, you made a, an interesting point just about painting your nails. I think uh, we all, and maybe I'm, I'm not to speak for everybody, but I think there's always internalized like homophobia with that as well. Um, you know, I've shaved my arms for since high school. Uh, partially it was, you know, because I, I didn't like hairy arms and that was always seen as a, a feminine thing, right? I always have to explain to my friends that, oh, you shave your arms. Like, why do you do that? And it's like, well, why not? Like, there's this question of like your your sexuality and something so simple and meaningless that, you know, it's, it's always kind of been, you know, interesting. I think there's also, you know, crossing your, your legs is seen that way, having nice hair, um, you know, being calm, being sensitive. Sometimes I think a lot of those things are perceived as, as feminine traits. And oftentimes like in, in society, I think they're used against you. Um, you're oftentimes cut down by that. And I think that's also one of the pieces that, that a lot of men struggle with. And part of the reason we don't do these things is you're afraid of how you're going to be perceived by, by the world. You paint your nails, big deal. Who cares? You know, it's, it doesn't, it shouldn't mean that you're either more manly or, or more feminine. It's just kind of silly, I think, but. This really prompts a thought for me. Recently, I came across a post online and this is like a, you know, somebody in the queer community that makes some pretty good content that I follow for a long time. It's just always educational about like a specific topic. And essentially this one was talking about the meme for lack of a better term, that's around being somebody who is like traditionally masculine. 
So like, for example, like there's a bumper sticker that's been going around online that says, no airbags, we die like real men. It's like, <laughs> like there's something interesting about that. And then there was another one that they found that said, uh, it was like in a bathroom at a restaurant. And it says, you don't need a mirror, you're a man. And it's just like a matte black, you know, very masculine, like aesthetic thing. It's like, <laughs> the, the, the subtweet for it was, fellas, is it gay to perceive the self? <laughs> And it's like, those are really interesting points of conversation, though, because, like, why is this so baked into our society where you can't self-define what masculinity is and you're criticized or, like, for in this example, called gay because you wear a seatbelt or look at yourself in the mirror or paint your toenails or whatever, but it's all an extension of that self-definition. And then they made a comment, you wouldn't be so worried about looking or sounding gay if you didn't view being gay as a negative thing. So tying back to Joel's mention of internalized homophobia. Um, so I don't know, I just thought that that was an interesting thing that really extended from what Marcus and Joel were saying um, that I thought was worth bringing up just because it's definitely part of like this collective meme among being like masculine and like doing that like performance of like what is traditionally masculine and then like the resistance that you get from society or even like going into a restaurant to like, you know, use the restroom or something. It's just really interesting to kind of look at all these examples of it at least. Yeah, just piggybacking off of all of that, it's it, we see like gender in general kind of being used as like a totem pole or like a measuring stick to determine whether or not you fit in within a particular subculture. And Badiana, like you you brought up, it's like there there are times where you have to make sure that you balance your femininity because it might not be respected in certain circles. So you have to present, you have to code switch within certain groups, and men do this quite aggressively i mean for lack of a better term but also kind of hilariously it's like when you're out with the bros um wow that sounds hilarious coming from me but like is if you're going out to a sports bar and you're going there and you're having a party it gets loud it gets raucous and it, it becomes it becomes the rough housing kind of fun like that kind of atmosphere and it, it's it, it it becomes that kind of measuring stick where it's like are are you fit are are you presenting? Are you behaving masculine enough according to this microculture of masculinity in order to fit in? Um, but what I think we've all found, I mean, over years, over months, like the more comfortable you become with understanding that it is like it, it these are choices that you make in order to present, like the easier it is for you to kind of identify as like, well, perhaps, um it's like i wear acrylic nails um that is definitely not seen as particularly masculine but i don't see that as any threat to what i value in my masculine presentation i which frankly i kind of don't care too much about my personal masculine presentation i'm, I'm happy for you to see me however i am um i've already been kicked out of plenty of masculine circles for being gay and that kind of like gets into the the internalized homophobia of it all is like so much of it when i was growing up um and i grew up uh, mormon in a very like kind of straight-laced community everything about masculinity was kind of about proving to other men that you weren't gay and i kind of found that and like of course that like messes you up when you're growing up but eventually i think that's why for me now i i approach it with such a performative aspect is this like I've, i'm already accused of the greatest sin against masculinity accused and convicted so 
nothing I do to the people who are trying to be masculine to prove that they're not gay is ever going to raise me up in their measuring, however they're measuring me. So I just like divorce myself from that conversation and change the subject. Really enjoy the personal like examples that you're sharing. Uh, thus far with those personal examples, Marcus, Joel, Fish, Roe, I wanted to know like how did societal pressure allow you, like what at what point did you realize, okay, maybe these attributes are not normal for my gender and were you always okay with doing that or did you have to learn to be okay with doing that? Um, for me, I think it's just when I became aware of just hyper aware of what other people were going through is, is when it, it started to, to hit me. Like it, it was in the military. It was in the military where you saw people putting on these masks or trying to take on these roles as being being tougher, being more masculine. Or are women in the military who would, you know, trying trying to be hard to be one of the bros and being, you know, masculine. But then you'd see them outside of uniform and trying to be trying to be super feminine because you know, they were forced into being, you know, sort of that masculine role in the military. Um, and it just, it made me sad a little bit. It made me uh, just aware. But I, I think I've always had my own self-confidence and I know who I am. I'm not going to, you know, let anything like that pressure me. So as I started to do things or, or um hang out at, at gay clubs with friends and people are like, oh my God, are you worried people are gonna think you're gay? Like, I don't really care if they think I'm or not. You know, it's, it's I, you know, it doesn't, I know who I am, it's my own self-confidence. So, um, you know, I don't know that there was a point. It was just kind of that gradual, you know, I want other people to be themselves and I'm gonna be myself. So, um, yeah, I don't know if there was a specific point in time. It's just kind of the more I, the more I, I matured, I guess, would be the answer. Yeah, I was just gonna I was gonna jump in there to uh echo what Fish said of having to divorce yourself from that conversation. Uh for myself growing up, one of my best friends, I mean we used to hang out every day. He he came out of the closet in like middle school and a lot of my friends, because I hung out with him, associated associated me as being gay as well. And I felt like I had to spend the rest of my like middle school slash high school years, like trying to prove that I wasn't gay. And for a long time, I think that kind of haunted me. I never really uh, made made amends with my, my my good friend. I mean, he was one of my best friends at the time. And, you know, I think I really struggled with that. And I, I my community and my society at the time was very, you know, again, you were looked down on if you were feminine. And so I had to prove myself as a strong man. And it was very, it was a conflict. It was years of conflict of trying to understand that. But it wasn't until I think I got my first job. Uh, I was working at a bank, and that's where I I learned to, you know, kind of lean into my feminine um, traits of being, you know, just honest and listening, and um, just being a little bit more quiet. I think and sensitive. I think were were traits that I oftentimes gravitated towards, and it actually made me a better manager. Uh, listening to people, I think, has been one of my strongest suits, as, as odd as that sounds. And, you know, again, that would have been something that would have been looked down as, as gay before. So, yeah, it's 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 interesting. But I think that's around the time that I learned to to find comfort and, and confidence in myself was, you know, around the first time, around the first job. Officially, I'm going to call it a career because um, I worked through high school, too. But they were just 
you know, jobs that get by. I'm trying to think of like one individual moment where I had to like have a, a for lack of a better phrase, come to Jesus moment about what I was doing. And if it was going to be perceived as masculine or feminine, I it's like, it happened so much uh, growing up. Um, I used to be a competitive ballroom dancer. And in that world, you're literally given points for how masculine you're presenting if you are leading the couple. And so there there were moments where like certain flourishes that I did uh, in cha-cha rumba where it seemed as like, it's like too feminine. So, and, and that gave me insane uh, body dysmorphia, just thinking like, I can't move the way that other men do, even though I have a male body. Why, why, why aren't I moving like this? And like that's just like one like little example and, and i had to learn to kind of embrace my body how it moves naturally uh, my own mannerisms and kind of accept them for what they are and not be ashamed of them and that allowed me to kind of like bit by piece kind of expand my gender expression when i first came out i was very much like, i may be gay but i'm not that gay um, because I grew up Mormon, I grew up in a very like my example of masculinity was the traditional family where I had a husband and a wife. And even when I first came out, what was considered culturally appropriate was I may I can be gay, that's fine. I still need to get married and have kids. Um, that because that's what I need to do. I need to get married to a woman and and be a father figure. And it took years to kind of free myself of that and realize that. I can not only be and find what that means for myself, but also I can express my femininity and enjoy it. I got my ears pierced and that was like a huge revelation to me. It was like, oh, I can wear jewelry. I can wear dangly earrings like I always wanted to. And I envied all of the girls around me who could wear these fabulous like glistening rocks. And I had punk rock friends around me who had like uh huge safety pins through their ears and were wearing eyeliner in this really kind of gender neutral way that i envied so much and I, I mean with every single one of those steps you kind of have to like i've had to realize like why am i tentative about doing this thing that i obviously deeply want to do and it was because i was afraid of how my culture around me would receive me or i was ashamed about Honestly, some of the ways that I would react to that it, when I'm trying to fit into masculine culture, I'd have to like kind of put down on anyone who presented feminine around me. And so I had to get over that shame and get over that fear. It's funny you mentioned earrings. It, it, it reminds me I was um, I was 16 and I was the first kid, first guy in my school to get his ear pierced. Um, and it was a big deal. I actually ended up getting in a, a fight with my football coach because he said I couldn't I couldn't play if I had my ear pierced. But it, it was also, you know, I'll show my age. But back then, you wore an earring in your left ear because if you wore it in your right ear, that meant you were gay. And so it was only one one ear. Um, but it wasn't long after that that I got both my ears pierced. I'm like, this is dumb. Why do I only have one ear pierced? And so for most of my 20s, I had both of my ears pierced. Um, but it just, just makes me realize how dumb that was. If it's in one ear, it means this thing. If it's in the other, it means this. Just absurd. So for most of my 20s, I had both my both my ears pierced. And uh, it, it just reminded me about that. It's the, the weird cultural things that we follow. Yeah, I mean, my experience with just sort of 
understanding my own definition within society was definitely like a long thread that I pulled on and then really started to like embrace it like over the pandemic just after like all that forced introspection during the pandemic. Well, we're still in the pandemic, but like the pandemic, pandemic of 2020 at least. Um, but yeah, I mean, back to what Fish was saying, uh, Fish mentioned just punk culture in general. And that was also my kind of first connection to gender nonconformity because punk culture is queer culture pretty much like those Venn diagrams do really align with each other. And I think that's why I always gravitated towards that group of people in general, because it's so much about resisting like what you're told to think that you are. And like, that is what being punk is. Um, and now it's like really extended out into like gender identity and things like that too. Um, where we, we have all these definitions that are like trying to push onto us that are pushed onto us rather. And all these boxes that we try to fit within like growing up in the South, there's definitely like very aggressive boxes that you're being pushed into all the time. Um, but yeah, it just takes, you know, over time you start to kind of whittle away at that perception of things. And eventually just, you know, I, for my own experience, at least I started to kind of break out of that, especially recently. But um, yeah, it's just over time. Like I can definitely identify those threads that I pulled on just as I encountered more and more people that were trying to like live authentically within whatever environment that they were in, at least. Awesome. I did, so Fish mentioned religion, and I know that religion seems to be, you know, interlaced in American culture. So I wanted to know if anyone else had experiences with religion having an impact on allowing themselves to be their authentic selves or having to overcome, like, religious constraints and being able to be who they truly want to be. I could step in on this one. Um, I grew up Catholic. Um, my mom to this day is is upset that I'm not Catholic and that I don't really follow. I frankly I don't follow any religions. I'm I'm pretty accepting to all. Um, I do my my research. I read a lot of books um, just in religion in general, and um, that for me I think is part of the reason why I really struggled with my best friend growing up being gay was you know my my parents taught me that that's you know per the bible it's not allowed it's looked down upon it was like this you know kind of just a, a line i guess that was in the bible that that indicated it wasn't acceptable and so when that happened and my only reaction to that was separate and you know deny 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 you were never a friend and it was a very difficult thing for me um so yes religion definitely played a big role i think in my household um especially with any sort of um, you know, sexuality, even talking about it in general, like sexuality based off, like you don't have that conversation with religion either. So, you know, for us, it was oftentimes like a secret is kind of how it was approached in our, our household. Anything that was sexual was like, you don't talk about it. You don't talk to your parents about it. You know, um, that, that's kind of my, my history with that. So. Yeah. I just remember growing up, like, really aggressive resistance to the same sort of thing like i grew up in like a very like christian household for sure and yeah just like the aversion to talking about anything sexually um i remember seventh grade something like that there was like a sex ed class that i had to get like parental approval to go to in florida and my parents just wouldn't let me do it let me go <laughs> and it's just it's that extension of like the religious overview of sexuality 
in general on like how it's just like not even allowed to be talked about, even though it should, and it's just part of the human experience. But yeah, I mean, that that's kind of the experience that comes to mind for me is just, that was the first scenario that I can think of where I really had some sort of like religious related resistance to just talking about sexuality in general. And then it kind of spurred out from there, of course, where, you know, my household just, we did not talk about anything related to this at all. Definitely raised with that internalized homophobia in general. Um, and then it just my history up until now has been just deconstructing that and trying to unlearn as much of that as I can for sure. And that's, it's so baked into our society in general, but you know, as time goes on, I think more and more people are trying to make the effort to unlearn that and just remove it from just like how we perceive each other. And uh, I think that that's an indicator that there's certainly change happening for sure. Just the fact that there's so many people making that effort. Could not agree more. I think it's an important lens to discuss because I feel like a lot of people were raised, raised in a Catholic home, so similar you know, upbringing of being like, this is right, this is wrong, and not really being allowed much gray area until you're old enough and more aware to, you know, find a sense of self and find a community that allows you to explore what all of these words and societal constructs mean to you and how you can play your part in them or, you know, defy, defy them, etc. With that being said, wanted to ask if anyone had a positive experience with someone expecting something about you that wasn't the traditional masculine trait and if so how did it impact you i had a, a recent and it's actually come up it came up um this weekend there's a picture of me with like my wife and my daughter this is maybe like 10 years ago semi-embarrassing you know i'm kind of overweight but i i like always took care of myself had my hair cut but i started getting my eyebrows done and that was like, it was such a stark, like, like a slap in the face for me with my like friends, my group of friends that I was taking care of myself. Um, but it wasn't until, you know, I just, I think growing, growing, not necessarily grown out of my group of friends, but just kind of meeting new people um, that I started to get like compliments about it. And it was like, oh, I've never met a man that like, I, you're the first guy I've ever seen to like take care of yourself and take care of your eyebrows. And for me, that was like, you know, it was, it was, it was strange. I didn't know how to take that as a compliment because I was so used to the opposite where I was just met with friction, met with, you know, um, internalized homophobia that, Hey, why are you doing this? That only women should look like only women are, are supposed to look good. Only women are supposed to take care of their eyebrows. But it was, you know, again, um, when I started meeting new people that it was like, oh, wow, you, you, you're, you're a handsome man, right? You take care of yourself. And that was in turn, like in turn for me, it was more of a compliment and I started doing it more. Um, but that, that's my experience with it was initially it was all negative and it changed over time. I think a lot more, it became either cool or more men started to do it. I don't know, but yeah, that, that's one example. Yeah, that question, I'm reminded of a conversation I actually had with uh, a customer on Saturday. So recently, just a few days ago, I met with a customer and her wife. Um, they're both members of the like elder queer community, for lack of a better way to describe it. <laughs> um, but yeah, super nice people. Really had a pleasant conversation with them. And then towards the end of it, we started like getting into like an actual conversation that wasn't solar or anything like that. And it was just like a more like human conversation just about like our experiences and like some of their experiences growing up and coming out and all the internalization that they had to deal with everything like that and then i started talking about some of my background too with them 
Um, and then I, I brought up the, the comment about just my voice and like how it's traditionally masculine sounding, um, but it doesn't align, like for context, it doesn't align with like how I present myself in the way of like how people would assume that I would sound, for example. But they were super receptive to it because they haven't really thought about something like from that perspective before. But I just had like a really pleasant conversation with them where they were like, yeah, no, you're right. Like, it's just a matter of breaking down all these definitions of what is masculinity and what is femininity and that self-definition thing that I keep bringing up. Um, but it was just like a really positive interaction that really gave me some degree of fulfillment. And yeah, one in every three customers that I meet with in this company uh, definitely give me that sort of feeling where they just like want to, like we just like have that really human connection. And I'm not just there to like educate them about solar. And it's always like a really refreshing thing, especially when it's something that personal as like a conversation like that. So that's like the most recent example that I can think of. Yeah, I can't think of anything specific where someone's like, you know, giving me a positive experience. It's, you know, an appreciation quite often like, oh, you're, thank you for being open. Thank you for whatever, but nothing, nothing I can think of specific. Um, I want to go back to what something that Joel mentioned about, you know, the, the eyebrows and taking care of yourself. Isn't it funny, like, even, even in that case, we have to call it manscaping. Like, you still have to put, like, a manly kind of term to it. Now, people will still mock manscaping as if it's feminine, right? It's still, but we can't just say we're taking care of our bodies. We can't say we're, we're you know, self-care. That's somehow not masculine enough to say it's self-care. I need to call it manscaping uh, to add a, a masculine name to it. Um, that's just, it, it, that was funny to me as I was mentioning that. I've always got a, I've always got a kick out of this, but um, one of my friends recently got his eyebrows done, but the way he explained it to me was, hey, it's okay that my barber took care of it. My barber did it, right? And so, had his wife done it or ha had he done it himself, right? And so I questioned that. It was just like, hey, like if if I didn't go to a barber, does that make it any less cool? And so it turned into this conversation of like, well, you know, I feel like I need to say barber so that I don't get criticized because if my barber did it, then it's it's a manly thing. Um, so funny you bring that up, Marcus, but totally agree. For the sake of digressing, bro. Like, uh, real quick, it just makes me think of, like, the way that things are marketed to men or, like, masculine people also. Like, everything's matte black or, like, all, like, army green. Like, it's, it, it's, there's something very funny about it, but also unfortunate, just, like, that perpetuates the, the challenges that we're talking about for sure. But, yeah, it's, like, the fact that we have to make something more masculine so people will buy it. So it fits, like, that traditional definition of things. I don't know. It's like a whole interesting like sub conversation for sure, but it, it's by extension like an extension of like the conversation around manscaping for sure. The, the charcoal yep. body soap, the asphalt, you know, scented body soap, just kind of you know. I, I need the the scrubby thing for the shower to be somehow more manly than than an orange poof, right? It's just just weird. Yeah. Oh, right. just freshly cut grass. <laughs> That's your cologne. <laughs> Ro, you, you mentioned, I think it was dirt shampoo when we were talking about this uh, a few weeks back. And, you know, I was kind of laughing. I went upstairs the next morning. I'm taking a shower. And I realized my shampoo was bourbon. Like, it is the smell of bourbon. And I picked it out specifically because I drink whiskey and bourbon. But I just, I got a good chuckle out of it because, again, it's like, you know, I'm being marketed and I fell for it. So it's kind of funny. But 
wasn't dirt, but it I was think, bourbon. There, there's positives and negatives to it. I think when you recognize it, I mean, I love I love a bourbon or a sandalwood scented body wash. I I think it's it's a fantastic. And then I mean, because my expression's all over the place, I'll twist it around and do all sorts of weird things with this. Like I'll be wearing a bourbon scented cologne, and then I'll be wearing heels and a long and a really long jacket that trails down. So people are like, what? But I kind of love that. It's like I too have the eyebrow story of like I started plucking my eyebrows because I had a mad unibrow, which somehow I managed to banish when I was uh, still deeply closeted. And then I had a friend who was willing to like like thread because she was learning how to do eyebrow threading. And I had to be like, no, I didn't. I didn't do any personal grooming. Why would I do that? Because personal grooming is gay. And it's so funny now. I, I do love, at least now, that, like, the, the barber culture is coming back. I love that, like, men being able to care for themselves and do nice things for themselves and pamper themselves can be seen as masculine. I would love for people to kind of take the next step. I, I kind of think of my brothers who are two very, very masculine, uh, very straight guys who I've been able to kind of, like, coerce and to be like, so, so you love getting your getting your beard trimmed. You love going to a barber, having that level of pampering. Come over to Lush. Let me show you some Lush products that are really good for beards, um, and kind of like introduce them that pampering doesn't have to just be the stuff that's explicitly marketed to them. And they've been able to kind of like open up their world to other types of self care that just helps them relax or feel more confident. In regards to air quotes, manscaping and men being able to embrace self-care. Do you feel like we are, there's strides in the right direction in that regard? Or do you feel that we're kind of still stuck in the same, you know, sort of patriarchal construct of men needing to smell a certain way? Certain things are, I know we're still joking, like, you know, dirt smelling shampoo, et cetera. But do you feel like there's any advances happening in regards to that? I think there's advances, but I think now more than ever, now that we're all in a more culturally educated spot than we were, we should understand, like, if you know why products are being marketed in a certain way, it allows you to, like, be more conscious about buying it. If the only reason you're buying a product is because it's uh, exclusively marketed as, like, this will pump up your masculinity, this will make you the envy of your bro friends, then you're kind of, like, falling back down the hole. But if you kind of see it as like, I drink bourbon and whiskey, I love the idea of whiskey scented body soap, or I go camping a lot, or I want to present the idea that I go camping a lot, give me pine needle, forest whisper, whatever the concept is, because that's what I want. But so long as you're approaching that, so long as you're not doing what I used to do, which is, I want to smell like peaches, but I don't want to be outed for smelling like peaches that's where like the internal shame can be really self-destructive but if you're willing to be like no i i like this and i like this and i like that and are able to be more open about it i think that is incredibly positive i agree fish uh, for me i see this as like um it's your choice right i i like floral smells i've picked out candles at you know tj maxx with my wife and i'm like you know what it smells like amber and it's kind of girly, but I love the smell. I'm addicted to it. And like, I, I think we're, we're, we're self-defining what it is that again, it, you shouldn't have to worry about smelling like peaches or smelling like dirt, right? It's whatever, whatever I think you choose to smell like. Um, 
Uh, from a commercial standpoint, no, uh, we haven't made any progress. I think marketing is always going to be that way. You're always going to see, <laughs> you know, the Axe commercials or the Old Spice ones. And I, I don't see that changing. And, you know, I, it just is, it is what it is, right? And I think we, we all see it for, you know, for what it is. But, um, yeah, that, that's my perspective on it. I think the moral of all this is just let yourself like things. Like if you feel confident because of something or a smell or whatever, like even if it is like bourbon scented, like nothing against bourbon scents. I appreciate those too, for sure. Um, but it's just a matter of like, let yourself embrace something that makes you feel that burst of confidence. Like don't try to box yourself in because you're trying to fit into a specific definition. And I think that like inherently is like the moral of all this is yeah, there's things that are gonna be marketed in a specific way that'll always be the case. But if you, realize like what you actually get benefit out of in general and like the sense that you like or whatever else that's like where it should just end you know it's like let yourself like things i'm kind of remembering an experience i had in high school of um and, and liking things because you had wood shop you had welding and you had sewing and I was one of two guys that was both in woodshop and the sewing classes. And we were both at like the upper, upper tiers because my dad is like, he was a framer. So we always had a lot of stuff to do there. So that was like, I, I earned a lot of credit by saying, it's like, yeah, I can build a cabinet. I can mount furniture. I can, I can actually assemble things and I know how to draft. But I also love sewing and I can repair your jacket that's been in ratty shape forever. Come here, buddy. Let's get that fixed. And, and like, and that was like, like one of those moments where, like, I had a friend who was very masculine presenting, and he was like, "I have no idea how to sew." It's just like, "Come, let me teach you." And it's kind of funny. I think of like there, there are crafts that we that we apply gender to. There are there are roles. I think we're all in a better generation where, like, maybe our parents used to be the kinds where only the woman washed the dishes or or did the laundry and now at least in my culture it's very much like no everyone does the house chores there's there's no gender in the house chores anymore but there's still like societal expectations with certain um hobbies and with certain pastimes and with certain skills and trades and i find that kind of interesting maybe to piggyback on this um i think the same is true for music and dancing in general. Um, I, I recently got the question of, hey, how come guys don't dance when it's like a group of, like this, the group of the bros, right? Like you never see guys dancing with each other, you know, like even in a circle, but um, from that topic, right? Music, right? I think I've always had this um, challenge that I, I would like female singers or I like female songs. And I'd like always, I, I never saw that as, I always saw music as gender neutral. But it's interesting that a lot of men won't say that they like female songs because it's not manly to do that, right? And so uh, it was just interesting topic, but I think this applies as you go down down the chain. Also, Fish, want to mention, I think sewing is one of the most underrated skills. I had to sew a chair recently, and I was very proud of myself that I just happened to watch my mom do it, and I picked it up. So very underrated skill. You need it to survive. Super useful, although I don't know how to do it, but I can appreciate how useful it is. <laughs> and and I'll, I'm one of those who can't dance, so some of us shouldn't even try to dance. So, yes, got nothing to do with gender, just can't dance. This is where I jump in. I'm actually a dance instructor. 
but this brings up, I, I want to talk about like kind of a cultural thing. So one of the styles that I dance, I, I, I teach uh, blues idiom dances a lot now, um, Jukin and Ballroom in, and I dance West Coast Swing and Lindy Hop and a lot of these social dances that are both kind of historical pieces, um, a lot of a Black Roots dances, and then a lot of social American Roots dances. And what I see so often is men really finally biting the bullet and learning how to dance because they've seen girls dance and they want to have that confidence uh, because it's accepted for for a woman to learn how to dance or to be a dancer or to just move fluidly and with men it can be terrifying i think that's that's great that like a lot of hip-hop has been really popular now so like guys can feel a little bit more comfortable stepping into that but with social dance with partner dancing where you're dancing usually with someone of the opposite sex but in my communities it's very much like the male can lead the male can follow the female can lead the female can follow you can switch we have whole competitions that are based off of your ability to switch on the fly which role you're doing but yeah i think men are scared of dancing because it's kind of terrifying <laughs> culturally it's not expected of you and also like culturally it's kind of terrifying to be like that open with someone else as men were kind of expected to be very reserved and stoic and kind of like like there there's there's value in being mysterious when i think in reality what that translates to is um you know being quiet whereas like in dance and in open conversations you have to be vulnerable you have to be willing to communicate with your body and you have to be willing to make mistakes openly and communicate that i love that fish and i, I know this now turning into a dance uh, discussion um but I, I think you're absolutely right i think it's the partner aspect that is interesting and intriguing when i when i initially think of dance it's two people you know facing each other presenting to each other i guess and so you you become embarrassed and you know but when you're talking about the, the ballroom dancing it reminded me i had a part-time job when i was in the military but it was bartending at a fred astaire dance studio and to see you know it you're flowing together as you mentioned it, it it's you're, you're going together so it's not like you're presenting to each other and uh, i always wanted to try that so this this conversation may open that that up to me to find a local studio and learn how to ball and dance. I want to I want to jump in here because Marcus, I was always that that same person. I I was always afraid to dance. I was always on the sidelines, and fish and body on. I saw the comment, but it definitely comes back to vulnerability. When you're dancing, you're expressing yourself and you're putting yourself out there more or less, right? And I think oftentimes we're afraid of like. How is somebody going to see me if I move my hips too much? Is that going to be too gay? If I'm moving, you know, it, it just, it, it, you're constantly feeling that pressure of being judged. It's almost the same thing as like public speaking in my eyes. Um, but highly recommend you try some salsa or something that makes you like feel the music, right? I think for me, so I don't know why, but I can dance this salsa fairly well. And it just is like, I feel comfortable doing it, but yeah, just wanted to touch on that fish. You, you hit it spot on. It's being vulnerable and expressing yourself and putting yourself out, like your emotions out there in physical form. It takes a lot and, you know, it takes a lot of courage, I think, when you dance. So. So almost time to, I wanted to ask, so Marcus, in the beginning of the conversation, you made a comment about 
I have a pretty strong sense of self. I wanted to ask everyone, what starting with you, Marcus, where did that come from? Where do you feel like that strong sense of self came from? And does anyone have any particular um, feedback, thoughts, tips they want to share with other people who are trying to cultivate that sense of self, especially in regards to overcoming their barriers around masculinity and gender roles and femininity, et cetera? Yeah, I, I honestly don't know. I've, um, it's, it's a comment people have made to me, like, you're pretty self-aware, you're pretty, pretty confident. Um, I know my strengths and weaknesses. I don't, I, you know, I, I think it came from how I grew up. I, I felt like growing up, I was always kind of on my own. My parents were divorced. I kind of bounced back and forth between them. Um, and so I think it just kind of raising myself. I just I had confidence for some reason. I don't know exactly where that came from. Yeah, I think it's just a matter of, like I was saying before, like let yourself like things, like let yourself, like just pull on the strings that feel comfortable in general and don't worry too much about like the perception of others or society because as you like experiment with something that is traditionally like not masculine, but you're going out in society and you feel the anxiety around that. Like that's at least my experience, which so is speaking from my own experience at the very least. The thing that I use to remind myself is like the judgment of others is just something that I'm projecting onto them. Like in reality, those people are just stuck in their own heads and thinking about people judging them too for whatever sort of anxieties that they've got. So like if you're nervous about like, you know, the smells that you appreciate or, you know, the way that you want to dress or if you want to paint your nails or whatever else, like anything that is resisting that definition of traditional masculinity that you've got anxiety about, I think it's just a matter of like breaking down the fact that people are trapped in their own heads, feeling anxious about their own things. So, you know, just live authentically in like whatever way that is defined for you and just pull on the threads that you find comfort in. And I think that that's just like, you know, where you can sort of stop. It's just like things that give you comfort, like comfort and confidence are things you should probably engage in. Um, and I, I think that that's kind of the end of it. I love that. I, I think for me, what was the most transformative thing was learning, learning to recognize where my shame was and learning to release that. Because I feel like everyone... There are, there are traumas, there are things that can really impact your sense of self and make that really hard to find. But there are little nuggets of truth that you know, that you know, like you identify with. And hopefully a lot of that is stuff that you don't have any shame built into. But if there are things that you appreciate that you have built in shame about, um, learn to recognize what that is and learn to release it because you will not be able to explore that side of yourself and celebrate yourself, your masculinity, your femininity, if that's important to you. You won't be able to explore those sides of yourself until you learn to recognize and release that shame. Hard to follow that up, Fish. Um, 100% agree. Uh, I think for me, I, I'm going to take a different uh, approach on this one. I, I learned to gain confidence in myself as I became a role model. Um, I got into leadership, and I think for me, I started to kind of see these traits of kindness, generosity, um, self-humor even sometimes. Um, for me, those were the traits that I wanted to embody. And, you know, again, some of those are feminine. Uh, some of them are masculine. But I think it, it comes back to what Rose said as well, like, be your true self, you know, don't hide in your shame, as Fish said, all of that, I think is is entirely, it's part of being human, right? There's no right answer for any of this. There's no one path. And I, again, I think nobody's wrong. 
at the end of the day, I think that's where I get my confidence in is like, hey, I'm going to figure this out in my way. And you, know, you live in that. So. I think my self-confidence started very young, but I think it started because of isolation. Um, I was already like othered at a young age. I was raised in a very predominantly Caucasian town, so I was different. And with that came this time to be able to just be with myself and like really figure out who I want to be, what traits about myself did I love and which ones I wanted to cultivate and which ones I wanted to let go of based off of what stereotypes or prejudices were pushed upon me. And I think we spend so much time wanting to rebuke alone, being alone. We're always wanting to be like around people, needing to be around people. Oh, I'm afraid of being alone. I'm afraid of loneliness. But I think within that time of just learning to accept that loneliness really allows you to just sit with yourself, really analyze what patterns whether good or bad are helping you you know progress or evolve and then just owning that owning that time owning that space of self-improvement that quiet time I started doing that at a very young age and now it's like you know all the rage meditation you know walks in the nature of self-care it's like we have names for it now but I think we all need to be okay with sitting with ourselves and being okay with what comes up bad good evil ugly just letting it all come up deconstructing it, appreciating it, honoring it, and then moving forward with all the best parts of you without anyone else's thoughts or judgments or beliefs about who you're supposed to be, all of it left aside. I think one thing that I do want to like leave on, because I know it's like, it's like with, with this particular group, I know it's like I talk a lot about how I kind of dismiss masculinity as far as anything other than ornamental, but that is my personal view and that's from my own journey i want to like really hammer down that should never invalidate if you're male and your masculinity is important to you then you should explore and define that in a way that uplifts people around you um it's it's about understanding Bariana, like you said like being alone understanding yourself understanding your values and your values might not involve having to break down any of your gender expression but it might um, just be comfortable with that and learn to be more of your authentic self. Yeah, I mean, uh, Fish and Joel definitely put everything more eloquently than I'd be able to right now. But yeah, I think it's just a matter of like letting yourself really break down some of the things that we are told fits within the definition of masculinity and really trying to understand that you can apply your own definitions to these things in the first place. Um, you don't have to subscribe to anything that you're told you have to subscribe to. You can, you know, define your own understanding of all these things just through your own experiences. Um, and I think that that's really the most powerful thing you can do for yourself is just like giving yourself the freedom and like stripping away the like prison that you put yourself into by trying to fit into a specific, very focused definition of what like being masculine is. So like, yeah, back to, you know, my own experience, like I came out as non-binary because of my own struggles with gender identity. I'm not saying everybody should come out as non-binary, like, you know, understand where you fit and like where you, where you want to be perceived and like how you want to, you know, add positively to the world and the people around you and all those sort of things. And I think it's just a matter of like really trying to identify the things that are potentially harmful and trying to really understand like what you can do to use that like masculine privilege 
to really make an impact on the people around you and the community that you're a part of and you know, all those subcategories that would apply. I love these conversations. I love the fact that we're, we're just sitting, we're remote, we're not sitting in front of each other necessarily, but I just love that we're having this conversation and I love that it's a public, it's a public forum, right? We get to express ourselves and, you know, walking away from this, I just uh, eternally grateful for all you guys. Uh, these conversations are, are just incredible. And, you know, I think it, it, it just comes back to this is sitting down with your group of friends or sitting with a group of people that you don't know or that you don't necessarily understand well enough and having having questions um being open and honest about it i think is a beautiful thing and part of being human so encourage everybody to do it it's uh it's uh it's it's energizing and it's uh kind of uplifting so appreciate you guys and ladies and non-binary everyone i struggle with Thank that <laughs> appreciate you too joel thanks for putting all this stuff together and uh yeah y'all is a good way to just like say the general collective appreciate y'all definitely agree thanks bro working on it working on it every day <laughs> <laughs>